Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Welcome to episode 94. I don't think I ever thought we'd get this far, but here we are. Stop right there. I got a question for you. Yeah, please. Your your podcast intro voice. Yes. Do you practice that in the shower? I do not. You don't. <laughs> it just comes. It just comes to you. That's yeah, just a gift. I try to make it sound a little more, you know, canned at the beginning. And <laughs> more canned. That's what we call it, canned. So anyway. what does canned mean? It just means it's pre-done. It's, it's in the can. It's there. It's in the can. You just kind of hit the button and it starts rolling. Not in the shower. It's in the can. <laughs> Something like that. All right, all right. All I was right. curious how you how you work on that because it just always sounds so just smooth as butter. <laughs> very. I, I could do it. that all the time. I could say we're now in episode ninety four of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I could do that all the time, but mm, <laughs> I don't know. You need to get you a side gig, man. Maybe do some local. My wife minor says league I need to. games. Go yeah, down, you know. And my wife says I need to all the time. Yeah, yeah. So. The, the hockey team go to the stadium or the arena down here and do some hockey team stuff i don't know they won't even let me announce the basketball games here so you know maybe if i get to that point then i can say yeah you announce yeah. basketball games at northwood yeah you, you know yeah you need to just make us some side we got buildings to pay off here man you i make know some side money i'll bring it yeah. I, if i make the side money y'all get it I all, promise. Right. all right all right get at it i'm sorry anyway that's all right anyway get get the word out and they can listen to my buttery smooth voice mm. uh just tell them about facebook and twitter and text by that the way. man with a golden voice that's right and yeah. uh make sure that uh you know we just want to make sure that they're hearing the word of god and connecting it to their everyday life pastor you know i know that you know this because we've we've done the struggles and that's not everything in the bible is easy to understand Mm. Um, some things, you know, I, I really believe we're, we're just never going to understand this side of eternity. Right. Um, and if you wait to understand the Bible before you start believing in it and reading it and all those things, you're going to have an awful long wait. So uh, I'm kind of pumped about talking about these three difficult verses that we're going to be talking about in the Bible, and especially in the book of Genesis, since right. we're covering the book of Genesis. Right. And I know even at staff meeting, we had some questions. So I think this is a great podcast to just uh, help everybody understand they need to get out the pens and pencils and start writing down some uh, possibilities of what these kind of difficulties, how we can answer these. We don't necessarily have the we answer, but there the is answer. a way to take answer. a stab at trying to Amen. at least give some information. So yeah, if you're here at Northwood on Sunday mornings, you know, we're walking through the book of Genesis right now. And, and in these opening chapters of Genesis, we come up against some passages that are just downright difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't really addressed them very much from the stage on Sunday morning because I'm trying to help us to, to get to the main idea of the passage and how it applies. And so some of these uh, verses that are difficult, I'm, I'm not really spending a lot of time talking through. And so I wanted to take a few moments on this episode and think about some of these difficult passages and how we can respond to them and think about them. And so, so like you said, Trey, um, when, when we're looking at these difficult passages, just understand that 
none of us have all the answers. Oh, that's for sure. And so I'm going to give you some options on these passages, mm-hmm. but you know, we're taking 25 minutes to cover these three passages, and there have literally been thousands of pages written about mm-hmm. these verses over the years. And when you read what different commentators, Bible scholars, church historians, um, you know, church fathers have written about these verses, you quickly begin to realize ain't nobody got a clue what these verses mean in a lot of ways. We're just all trying to figure out best. Um, and I think a couple of them we can you really kind of figure out pretty well. But And these are the kind of verses I think we need to be careful with making conviction about. Oh, right, it has right, right. to be. Absolutely. And, you know, splitting hairs over these things. And it's Absolutely. Almost, it almost becomes how many angels are dancing on the head of right. a needle type thing. Yeah, I can tell you, because we talked about it before we start recording. I mean, one of these passages we're looking at, I've, I've held different views over the years. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't know which view I hold as far as to what this mm-hmm. passage is actually And I think saying. the more we study, the more we realize how little we know. Yeah, yeah. You know. And so that's the thing. We, we, we keep in mind those core convictions, the mm-hmm. things that we must affirm as followers of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the, the virgin birth, all those things we've talked about before. But then you're going to come across these passages that, yeah, well, I don't know. And so so also understand, right. I think what's super helpful for me mm-hmm. is understanding what I'm reading. I'm reading the book of Genesis. Trey, this book was written thousands of years ago. This Very is ancient long. literature. And it was written thousands of years ago about something that took thousands of years took place thousands of years before that. Right, so. right. So you think about it. I mean, all of God's Word is inspired. It is all beneficial for us. It is all, it's all good for us. But mm-hmm. I'm still reading an ancient document. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's, we're thousands of years removed, and so that makes it difficult to bridge that time gap to really get into uh, the, the heart and mind of Moses as he wrote and figuring out what these things mean. So it's just difficult, but we're going to do our best to understand some of these difficult passages that we are confronted with in the first few chapters of Genesis. All righty. These are kind of come from Genesis 4, if you want to go ahead and get your Bible open, in Genesis 6, and uh, we'll be talking from those two chapters, yep. so go ahead and do that. Well, first one is this, and it's in Genesis four seventeen, and that is, where did Cain get his wife? That's wild, isn't it? So He, you had, know, to, he had to have a wife somewhere. Yep. We looked at the story of Cain and Abel a couple weeks ago, and we saw the punishment of Cain, mm-hmm. that after he murdered his brother, uh, God uh, made him a wanderer, and he eventually sells in the land of Nod. The word Nod means wander, and he builds a city. We talked about the civilization that came from this city that, that Cain built, but it says in Genesis 4, 17, Cain was intimate with his wife, and she gave birth and conceived. Uh, she conceived and gave birth to Enoch, and, and so we're wondering, where in the world did he get a wife from? It just comes out of nowhere. We, we, I mean, obviously they had to have wives so the human race could continue on, but. Where did she come from? Mm-hmm. And so there's been lots of speculation over the years as to where Cain's wife came from. And so some would believe that when we read the book of Genesis, Genesis deals specifically, now listen to this, it deals specifically with the Hebrew people. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so everything in the book of Genesis is about God establishing the Hebrew people and making them his covenant people. And so there are some um, uh, Bible scholars that would say, you know, Adam and Eve, they weren't necessarily the first people. Mm. They were the first Hebrew people. They were mm-hmm. the first chosen people. They were the first of the covenant people. And mm-hmm. so so I mean, there could have been other races that mm. were already on this earth, other people, other nations, where the case may be. And so Cain just took 
um, a wife from one of those other tribes or other nations that was already on the earth during the time of Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve, after all, they weren't the first people. There were other people. And so there would be some that would think that, that, mm-hmm. that you know, Adam and Eve weren't the first. They were just the first of God's chosen people, the first of the Hebrews. Does that make sense to you? But that is kind of tricky because you come to the New Testament, and the New Testament makes it very clear yeah. uh, that Adam and Eve were the first people, yeah. period, in the discussion. So, for example, you have um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 and 46. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is speaking of Jesus, yes. became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And you have other places like Romans chapter 5. Yeah. You have these different passages in the New Testament that— are very clear. Adam and mm. Eve were the first people. Mm-hmm. So then you get to the question, then where did Cain get his wife? We well, still get back to the same yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if we're saying that Adam and Eve were the first people, then Cain's wife must have been a near relative. Mm-hmm. His sister, one of his sisters, uh, or or maybe a niece. Mm-hmm. I've read somewhere it said even at this point maybe it was a granddaughter. Who knows? But mm-hmm. um, that 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 it was it was a close family member, and that that freaks us out because that's incestuous, and we we certainly don't immediately your stomach yeah, starts yeah, like, turning. That's, that's and, bad. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. But you have to remember we're at the beginning. This is how it worked, mm-hmm. right? And 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 honestly, God does not make a law prohibiting incest until we get to the book of Leviticus, which is a couple thousand years later. Mm-hmm. And so so uh, this is what we believe. The best answer is, is just the way it was, that Cain took one of his close relatives, mm-hmm. a sister, a niece, maybe a granddaughter of Adam and Eve as a wife, mm-hmm. and he began his family and built that city in the land of Nod. That's what took place. And, and so, again, you have to think, too, that Adam and Eve, they lived a long time. Mm. Almost a thousand years. Right. So Adam lived nine hundred and thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. And so he had a long lifespan, plenty of time to have lots of children uh, that could in turn have lots of children. So mm-hmm. it's not until we get to Genesis chapter six, the story of Noah, that we see the length of life decreasing. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but but in the first few chapters we read we looked at a little bit a couple of Sundays ago, the line of of Seth. You have people like a Methuselah right, right. who lived 969 years. So you have these really long lifespans. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot of time to have lots of kids. And so so Josephus, who is a Jewish historian, or was a Jewish mm-hmm. historian, I don't know how in the world. I tried to find some information to see where he came up with these numbers. I don't know how Josephus came up with numbers, but he came up with numbers for but how many. But he's older than we are, so he certainly right, would right, know more. Right, absolutely. Well, so <laughs> Josephus was a first century Jewish historian, yes. and he came up with some numbers as to how many kids Adam and Eve have. And he, he said that Adam had 33 sons and 23 daughters. It's a lot of people. Yeah. How That's in the world, a race in and of itself. Right? How in the world Josephus came up with those numbers, I don't know. But uh, the point is, the long lifespans, lots of kids, and mm-hmm. so when Cain uh, took a wife, it was probably one of his. It was it not probably wasn't isn't the word. It was one of his close relatives, a sister, a niece, a granddaughter of Adam, something like that. So I know it's weird, but it's what it is. Well, I I, I just also think that uh, trying to place ourselves in that position, you know, this idea was a whole different way of doing things. I yeah, mean, yeah. and even throughout the Book of Genesis, yeah. you had these close. Relatives getting married constantly. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm Abraham. Abraham married his half sister. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. I, Isaac is marrying, you know, a cousin. Right. And, right. Uh, then uh, Jacob marries his cousins. I mean, it's all it's very close. Very close. What so. it was, but you have a. I mean, this is the beginning. This is kind of the way you would expect for it to happen. If we're saying that we descend from 
two people, Adam and Eve. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and we have to affirm that because the New Testament affirms that the human race started mm-hmm. with Adam and, and Eve. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, especially when you look at those passages in Romans chapter 5 and, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's making a comparison. Mm-hmm. Just as one man brought sin into the world, another man, Jesus, mm-hmm. brought life and forgiveness of sins in the world. So there's a comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam, if you will. And we talked a little bit about that a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, so, so I mean, we, we do. We, if we're going to be faithful to what the New Testament mm-hmm. teaches, faithful to what the Bible teaches, we have to affirm that Adam and Eve were the first people. Yeah, we're not saying that Adam was uh, representative of all the Hebrews. We're saying no, Adam was representative the first, of the human race. He's, right. He was the first human period. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. I think uh, I don't know if that solves the uh, solves our our queasiness, but yeah, that, well, that certainly one, helps us. That one's actually a little bit easier to think through than the next okay. one we're looking at. I think okay. anyway. We're in Genesis six four now, and we're talking about these things called the Nephilim. Or how, how do you say that? I'm not saying it like you do. You that say works it little, me. All right, that will go. Okay. You're the one with the golden voice. All how right, say it, we'll say it's way so the say question it. is then, who were the Nephilim? Yeah. You ready? So let me read the passage to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. All right. So it says in Genesis chapter 6, When mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterward when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them. They were powerful men of old, the famous men. Mm. That's a lot going on there. A lot. A lot lot of questions. Yeah. So this this may be, this may be the most controversial passage to in the book of Genesis, as far as understanding, well, no, I what's did. Going on I here. did watch, uh, you know, Russell Crowe in the Noah movie, and they had these big rock things. So that's kind of what I settled on: big rock monster things. Oh, I never saw the movie. So, <laughs> so Russell Crowe thinks yeah, that the Nephilim were rocks, big old rock monster things. So I you know, it was kind of it for me. I said, "Oh, okay, now I understand," because <laughs> Hollywood well, always yeah, has the yeah, answers. So I, I'm glad you got it figured out, Trey. <laughs> okay, it's interesting. Anyway. Okay, it's interesting. The word Nephilim, yeah, it means fallen or mm-hmm. to fall mm-hmm. okay so so you have this this group of people the nephilim and you have just different things going on here you have the sons of god yeah. marrying the daughters of men so who are these sons of god mm-hmm. and nephilim apparently are this this race of people from these mighty men come from heroes of old and and so it, it almost it almost has a and i hesitate to use this word uh but it almost has a mythical quality to it when you mm. right heroes and yeah, great yeah. And mighty men i mean it's, it's you can it's, hear that in yeah, it yeah 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 so so but we know it's not mythical this is the bible it's historical uh so who are these people and and so over the years again there have been there has been much written to try to help us to understand who these nephilim were what's going on with the sons of god the mm. daughters of men what would actually happen and so so really they're they're um, have been four proposals that have been made to try to understand what's going on in Genesis chapter right, 6, verses 1 through 4. So the first one is that when we're speaking of the Nephilim, these are the descendants of fallen angels oh. and humans, mm. which is really weird. Yeah, I was going to say that is a weird thing. Now, this is actually a very um, popular view of this passage of Scripture. There are many people today that would hold to this view. That, I've actually read it yeah, many yeah, yeah. times, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, we, we know that, that Satan and his demons at some point fell, sinned mm-hmm. against God, and fell from God's presence, and um, 
but what that all looks like, uh, we don't really know because Scripture isn't very clear or doesn't give us all the details of what happened and how it happened. Uh, so, so, any rate, there there are some who would say, and this would have been, you know, some of the early church fathers would have held to this viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So this this viewpoint's been around for a long time. Would have said, you know, that these Nephilim, they're they're the children of fallen angels and and humans, and so it could be that kind of like Satan possessed a serpent mm-hmm. in the garden, that these fallen angels possessed humans. Mm, okay. And, you know, mated with other humans, and that's what came of them was this Nephilim race. Or it could have been that fallen angels just came and mated with humans, and who knows. But that that's, that's a prevalent view, is that this is speaking of fallen angels mm-hmm. who have uh, had children with humans. Mm. The the interesting thing is is if that, that if that is the case, you would see why God have to destroy everything. Yeah, it's wild. You know? So have that, to get rid of that. And and, and it could be the case. I mean, yeah. that could be yeah. exactly what happened. Again, it's it's hard to know exactly because the, again, Moses doesn't give us all the details we want. He mm-hmm. doesn't spell it out for now. Here's exactly who these sons of God were. We do know that there are times in Scripture that that phrase "sons of God." Is used to describe yeah. angelic beings, yes. but that phrase is also used to describe humans as well. Was, and so, it's hard to say. Well, it, because we see the phrase "sons of God," that refers to, and, and then "sons of God" to talk about fallen angels. I mean, it just, it just, it. Mm-hmm. For me, this particular viewpoint, it it may be exactly what happened. It just kind of takes us off guard. Mm. That that doesn't seem to fit into Genesis very well because it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. And so, I, it may be the case. But it, it to me this this viewpoint, while it's been wild, widely held over the years, it's 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 just it's difficult to understand because it just seems so to come if, out of nowhere for me. So let's do a let's do a spectrum. Uh, let's yeah. say uh, zero being you know that point, and then ten being what we're, the things we're going to talk about. Where would you put it on that spectrum? Where would you you would you say the probability of this probability, being the case? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the best way to say it. it you understand what I'm asking? If I were to put it between one and a ten, yeah, I'd say somewhere between one and ten. <laughs> no, I mean, you would uh, you, you wouldn't mind giving it a ten? I no, I just don't know. I think it's hard. I, I, because here's the issue too: you get to the New Testament and you have a passage like Jude six. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know it's a strange and passage six in and is of a itself. Strange passage too. Yeah. And some have said, well, Jude six actually refers back mm-hmm. to Genesis chapter uh, six. I've heard that too. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, again, I don't know. But and, and then some have used the um, uh, passage in First Peter chapter three, where First Peter Peter talks about how in the days of Noah, right, mm-hmm. the the spirits who were taken down to the prison that that refers to this as well. I don't think that passage. I think that's something else is going on there. But there have been a lot of good arguments made for this. So I mean, it could be the case for me. This this passage just seems to come out of nowhere, and we have no stories up to this point in the book of Genesis, or no no verses in Genesis up to this point that talk mm-hmm. about fallen angels. And so all of a sudden, this obscure passage about the sons of God to say this is fallen angels. Uh, maybe it just mm-hmm. to me it just it's just it just catches me off guard. If that's yeah, the case, you yeah, know, yeah. which it could very well be. I just don't know. So the second option though uh, is 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 that these Nephilim uh, are um, the descendants of Cain mm-hmm. and the descendants of Seth mm-hmm. that are are getting together and mating and having children. So which that that's a viewpoint that's been held by um, quite a few notable uh, Bible scholars of the years. Augustine held to this view. 
Luther and Calvin both held this view as well, that you have Genesis chapter 4, and we talked through this on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings. We talked about how Genesis chapter 4, you have the, the descendants of Cain, and we talked about how they were successful in culture and civilization right, and right. music and all those things, but they were godless. And then Genesis chapter 5, the descendants of Seth, remember at the end of Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says at that time when Seth was born, men began to call on God. Mm-hmm. And so you have people like Enoch and, and even Noah comes from the mm-hmm. line of Seth. And so so what some Bible scholars would say, and this is, again has been another widely held view, that the descendants of Seth and the descendants of Cain start to intermingle and produce children, and this was the result. And so it was impurity in the bloodline right, right. sort something, of thing. Something along those lines. And then again, you could still see the reason God had to destroy it all because where did it go? Where did it go right, from there? Right, right, yeah. right, absolutely. And again, that viewpoint, um, honestly for me, that viewpoint is a little bit easier to understand mm-hmm. than, again, not, I mean, who knows what, what at the end of the day, uh, but that viewpoint is a little bit easier to understand that because you do have that clear lineage of Seth in Genesis mm-hmm. 5 and that clear lineage of Cain in chapter four, so that, yeah, there is a distinction, a absolutely. clear distinction made in absolutely. those two lineages. Absolutely, so that that could be the case. A third option, uh, which I don't know, I think this one could be a little bit of a stretch, is that um, these people are the sons of God. They are people from different nations, mm-hmm. different tribes, whatever the case may be, uh, that have intermarried with God's people. And just the the idea that, you know, in those days there were other kingdoms, other kingdoms deified their rulers. And so mm. this is, might be a ruling class of people that have in some ways have been deified and, and, and they are, are, are intermingling with the people of God kind of thing. Mm. It could be, it's, but again, uh, that, I, that don't, I, that's, to me, that one's a hard to get from the text as well. So I don't know. So somebody comes to you and they say, "Who are the Nephilim?" You probably going to go with number two, or I'm gonna you, go with I don't know. You just not sure. Yeah. Well, and then, and then there's one more option. I've, I've given you three. There's another okay. option too. So, and we, we talked about this one mm-hmm. over the last week. There's a, a lady who wrote a great book called The Epic of Eden. Uh, this is an outstanding book. Right Everyone, now, it's my favorite yeah, book. If you're gonna read a book on the Old Testament, Amen. I really suggest reading this book because it really helps you to make sense of some things. Now, I don't know if all her views are correct, mm-hmm. but it's that's helpful to think through what she's mm-hmm. written. Uh, she, she she does a lot of things in that book that are just phenomenal. The way she explains the covenant and what it looks like to be a covenant people is just really, really helpful. But she took a stab at these verses, and she said that, um, and, and I hadn't really thought about this until I read her book. Um, when, when I read Genesis chapter 6, mm-hmm. verses 1 through 4, you know, I see that as the introduction to the story of Noah and the flood. Mm-hmm. That because of what's going on in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, God sends the flood, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, which makes sense. And, right. and again, uh, our Bibles are divided up into chapters and verses. But when Moses wrote the book of Genesis, he didn't put chapters and verses in it. No. He just wrote, like, like you sit down and write, right? right? Uh, so her argument is that Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, is really the conclusion mm. of Genesis chapter 5. Okay. So you have in Genesis chapter 5, you have the um, descendants of Seth, this this godly line, and so kind of her point is is that the the line of Seth, I mean, it, it just continues to build and build and build, and um, and you have kind of like this grandiose ending mm-hmm. uh, to the lineage of Seth. That the lineage of Seth ends with the the sons of God, the daughters of men, and so her her viewpoint is that when uh, Moses is talking about the sons of God, it is just a, a grandiose way of describing. 
the descendants of Seth, if that makes any sense. And so, and so her, her argument is that when you get to the New Testament, and when Jesus talks about coming judgment, right? Mm-hmm. When he talks about that day at the return of Christ, he's going to, he talks about how people are marrying and, and, and giving away in marriage and all this. Like, in other words, life's just going on. Right, right. And nobody is aware that judgment's coming. Mm-hmm. And so she says that's what's taking place in Genesis chapter six. Life is just going on mm-hmm. and, and people don't realize how deep they are in sin and they don't realize that judgment's coming. And so, so Genesis chapter six is the conclusion of the descendants of Seth, the grandiose kind of description of them and what's happening. Life is going on. They're, they're getting married. They're giving a marriage. It's, 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 civilization is increasing, all these things. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that they're getting deeper and deeper into sin. And boom, all of a sudden judgment comes. Mm-hmm. And you can even tie that to the idea of the fallen, and yeah. that's why judgment was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Again, those are the four options that are presented. And, and for me, I've been back and forth. I tell you, Trey, you asked one to ten, which one? Um, I have held both one and two okay. in my life. I've held the this fallen angels, and I've held to uh, the lineage of Seth and Cain uh, coming together. And I, at this point, I just I don't know. I, I think you can make an argument for any of these viewpoints. Mm-hmm. I think the point, I think the point, and that, that's what we really have to get to when we look at these texts is what is the author's point? Exactly. Right? Exactly. And the point is 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 judgment. That's Genesis chapter 6, yeah. is that in the midst of all this stuff, there's, there's, there's sin and wickedness taking place, mm-hmm. and God is bringing forth judgment through the flood. So that's what we got to get to. And it's, it's interesting to have conversations about these verses, but at the end of the day, uh, probably none of us are going to figure out exactly what they mean. And we've been trying for... You know, a long time now, well, right? The good news is Russell Crowe did figure it out. So well, you know, we're okay with that. Glad he got something right. <laughs> uh, okay, third, and we're we're done. Uh, Genesis six six, and we're going to talk about God regretting making man. Uh, one, I think one translation even says God repented. I think it's King James version. Yeah, says yeah, that. yeah. That's the King James or the authorized version. One of those older versions says that. So that yeah, this is an interesting verse. I'm trying to pull up in my Bible real quick. You come to Genesis chapter. 6 verse 5 and it says when the lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that mm-hmm. every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time the lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was deeply grieved wow and this isn't the only place where we have language like this mm-hmm. right you think about uh the book of exodus when, when the golden calf incident happens and it talks about how god relented or you know moses wants God to relent from uh, the, the judgment he's going to bring upon right, the people. And, right. and so we have language like this a couple of times in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so we read that God regretted. Mm. Did he really regret making humans? Wow. Yeah, that's a big word. Right? Or, or you know, another question that might come up when you think about God regret, did God make a mistake? <laughs> By create, I mean, if, if all of humanity was just going to fall, yeah. did God make a mistake? Why don't you just start with Noah? You know? Right? Yeah, anyway. But yeah, yeah. but we'll those, see those that too. Come up. You start with Noah, but Noah messes up too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you get to the after the flood. I mean, humanity's not any better with Noah either, you know? And so does God make a mistake? Did he make a mistake by creating man because man rebelled against him in sin? And so what, what God regretted what's going on here. Mm. So this okay, is a so what passage. is going on here? <clears throat> I think, you know, when um there's again lots of, of pages written about this verse and what's going on here did god make a mistake absolutely not of course not right you you yeah. go to different passages uh um book of numbers for example numbers 23 19 says this god is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind 
uh, does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? Mm. So the idea that God doesn't change his mind, he doesn't make mistakes, he doesn't mess up, he's perfect, he's holy, he knows exactly what he's doing. I think what Moses is trying to do here, he's trying to capture for us. Again, think about what Moses is trying to describe. He's trying to describe a holy, majestic, and infinite God. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to, as a human being, Moses himself, a fallen human being, it's the inspired word of God. He's writing the inspired Mm -hmm. word of God, but he's still a human being. Moses is not infinite. So he's trying to help people like us understand, people like us who are finite, Mm -hmm. help us to understand an infinite God. That's a pretty tall order. Yeah, right, it is, and so uh, what? What uh, Bible scholars call this is anthropomorphic. I can't even say the word anthropomorphic. You know, yeah, anthrop- anthropomorphism. I should be able to say these things, Trey. I want to assume for a long time. I should be able to say these things, but anyway, we read them, we don't say them much. Yeah, That's what happens. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> but but this idea that when you when you um, read some of these passages in yeah. the Bible, uh, that the authors are are trying to describe God in human terms, uh-huh. terms that we can understand. Yeah. So it's not that God uh, regretted in the sense he made a mistake. Man, I really messed this up. I shouldn't have done this. Mm. But, but, but Moses is trying to communicate to us you know, that God is an emotional being. Mm-hmm. And he loves his people and that his heart is grieved by the sinfulness mm. of the people that he created. And so, so that's the idea here. Not that God made a mistake or God shouldn't have made people to begin with, but God sees the sin, and 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 there's there's remorse over that sin that he's he's heartbroken, he's grieved over that sin uh, that he sees in 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 the lives of the people that he created. Um, but what does that grief lead God to do? Uh, well, it leads to judgment. Yes, but right? I mean, there's a penalty for sin. Yeah, but also redemption. Yeah. I mean, that's what the 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 ark is. The ark in the midst of all of this sin and wickedness. There's this, and again, we take it all the way back to Genesis 3.15, that God is going to be faithful to fulfill his promise Mm -hmm. uh, to his people. He's going to bring Noah through, and Noah's going to mess up just as bad as everybody else did once Mm -hmm. he gets off the ark, but it's not going to stop God from fulfilling his promise. So does God regret in the sense that he wishes it never happened? Absolutely not. God doesn't make mistakes. God loves his people. Mm. But just the idea that Moses is communicating that God really does grieve sin it breaks his heart right? i think i think he, he he's grieved right now when when sin absolutely. happens absolutely. and and I, I love so much that it says noah found grace in the eyes mm. of the lord yeah 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 and uh, you know the the grief and then the grace absolutely. both of those working absolutely. together uh, to bring about god's purposes absolutely. So here we are, six chapters in, and we're all already dealing with some very challenging verses. And I don't know if this is helpful for anybody, but hopefully it gives you some ideas to think no, about. I think, think it's really good. Passages. I think it's yeah. really good. And, uh, you know, j- just just to know that there we people have thought these things through. Whether we agree on them or not, yeah. you know, there is real thought going yeah, through absolutely. this. And it's just, well, just believe it, and it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's more we, than that. We need that. to think through these things. Yeah, I agree. But as we think through these things... Again, we've got to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Right? Amen. That the point of Scripture is not to confuse us with passages like these, but to point us to a Savior who mm-hmm. gave his life for us and rose again.
And that is the point. That's Amen. the point. Amen. Well, Pastor, this has been uh, awesome. I appreciate you yep. taking the opportunity to kind of fill us in a little bit and help us think a little, think these things through. So Absolutely. why don't you go ahead and close us for today? All right. We hope today's episode has been helpful for you. If it has been helpful, go ahead right now and hit that subscribe button so you can get new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review. That helps people find the podcast, and that's super helpful for us. And as always, we hope today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.